0: Looking for a way to keep your kids or grandkids entertained? Just tell your smart speaker to play Vision Kids Radio.
1: Vision Kids. Problem solved. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Up next, Dr. Michael Yusuf takes you to the powerful words in the book of Second Kings.
0: King ben Haddad, who's a type of Satan thought, that he got them surrounded, that he got them beat, that he got them in his grasp, that he got them on the run. And beloved, listen to me. (laughs) Right now, Satan and his cohorts, right today, they think that they got God's people on the run, that they got us in the grip of fear, that they got us sufficiently intimidated that we no longer want to share Christ with lost people. Many Christians today have bought into this lie that says that if you tell somebody that only Jesus can save, is intolerance. Satan got so many people in the church so confused, they don't know what they believe anymore.
1: The anti-Christian culture of today is in a hot battle with Christian values. Voices ringing throughout the media and many in local and national leadership are adding to the noise that is trying to drown out the voices of what is good and right, with what is only good in the sight of politicians and social agendas. Welcome to Leading the Way with pastor and international Bible teacher, Dr. Michael Yusuf. Today a powerful reminder of the importance of sharing the truth of the gospel, even in the face of relentless pushback from culture. Here's Dr. Yusuf to begin.
0: Most likely, every one of us at some point, particularly of late, you saw this staggering need of the world and, and you saw the tumultuous events that are taking place all across the globe and, and the stuff that's going on in our country. And, and if my guess is right, you, you most likely says, well, what can I do? What can one person do to make a difference? What can one person do do in the midst of this national, global, spiritual mayhem, what can one person do to make an impact, make a difference? If you're anything like me, you must have asked at some point, and then the Lord kind of unburdened me, which I want to unburden you and make this point very clear before I get to the message that the Bible itself is innocent of burdening us with such guilt. The Bible itself is innocent of holding us responsible for the world's problem. We're not responsible for the globe, for the nation. But the Bible makes one thing very clear, very clear, no equivocation, that we are to do something, and God will do the rest. The one thing the Bible tells us that we cannot do, and that is to sit on our blessed assurance and do nothing. And in many ways, I'm bringing you this message that God laid on my heart. And it is from 2 Kings chapter 6. It's a story about the most unlikely people making the greatest of difference. And I tell you, God specializes in using the most unlikely people. These folks were not rich, they were not powerful, they were not celebrities. They were, or they were actually the opposite. They were despised. They were rejected. They were isolated from society. They were thrown out of society. They were lepers. But when they found themselves in a situation of being able to do good, they convicted one another. They exalted one another. They said to one another in 2 Kings chapter 7 and verse 9, this is a day of good news we must go and tell. Let me tell you the story. At that time in Israel's history, there was a prominent, powerful king in Syria. When the Bible says Aram, Aram is synonymous with Syria. It's the same place. That king was named Ben-Hadad. King Ben-Hadad, like all of the kings, Gentile kings, who sought to destroy the people of God, a type of Satan. And like many kings before him and after him, they tried to destroy the people of God. And the reason Satan wanted to destroy the people of God is because he did not want the Messiah to be born. He knew what God said in Genesis 3.15. And the method of destruction that they used is tried and true. Build the siege around the walls of the city. Put an army to surround the walls of the city in order to starve people to death. And if they're not starved to death, you weaken them so much to the point of overcoming them very easily. When the king of Israel heard of the deprivation and the depravity and the misery and the horror of the situation, he tore his clothes. A mark of humiliation and abhorrence. Here is the unbelievable irony. Here is the unbelievable irony. This leader of Israel, this king, instead of seeing this misery and would drive him to God so that he may repent of his sins and that he may repent of the sin of the nation, he passed the blame. He blamed others. (laughs) Nothing changed. Government leaders always blame somebody else for the mess they create. I mean, he blamed the people, he blamed the man of God, Elisha. He even blamed God himself. <laughs> it's typical, isn't it? People really kick God out of public life. And the moment they face terror, they said, where is God? Where was God? Look at what the king said, verse 33 of chapter 6, 2 Kings. This disaster is from the Lord. Really? Compare his reaction with the reaction of the man of God, Elisha. Compare this reaction. The reaction of Elisha is chapter 7, verse 1. He did not lash out. He did not fix blame. He did not point fingers. He did not look for an excuse. He did not look for a culprit. He did not sit down to write a strategy paper. (laughs) No, he announced good news. He announced good news. A few years later, the prophet Isaiah said, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And that is why Elisha brought good news. And that's what you and I must do. We must tell the good news. We must see to it that the good news is proclaimed. And beloved, you know this. It's a call of this church. It's the call of leading the way to proclaim good news. To tell people that Jesus and Jesus only saves. That we are to witness for His saving power in us to proclaim peace, true peace, when peace is not found. To be a lifeboat to everyone who wants to escape from the judgment that is to come. We are the good news bearers. Every one of us can do something. Some will intercede for the lost. Others are going to bring people to come and hear the good news. Others are going to support the proclamation of the gospel from their resources. But we all must serve God's purpose of making the good news proclaimed and known, whether it's across the street or across the world. What was that good news? Look at it in the Scripture. Elisha was delivering some good news in the midst of a horrific situation. Here's the good news. He said, tomorrow, tomorrow, the siege will be over. The captivities will be broken. Poverty and hunger will end. Freedom is coming. Fear is going to melt away. Deprivation will end. But isn't that what Jesus said of himself on that day When he sat in the synagogue, we recorded in Luke chapter 4. He went there and he got the scroll and he opened it and he began to read it. And he said to them, today this has been fulfilled in your ears. The Lord anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He sent me to bind the broken hearts, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to open the prison doors to them who are bound and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And ever since the time of Jesus, everyone who claimed to be worshiper of Jesus, that Jesus is their Savior, everyone declared that same good news. That's the mission of this church. It's the mission of leading the way. It's the mission of every believer in Jesus Christ. Sadly, the devil managed to get us all diverted in all sorts of other gospels and all sorts of other activities Except that one thing that Jesus repeated five times before he departed for heaven. But to be sure, not everybody is going to respond. You've got to understand that. You see, the results are not your responsibilities. <laughs> They're not our responsibility. The results are his responsibility. Yeah. There are some people going to believe, some people are not going to believe. But that's all right. And we see happen even there. Right here in the Scripture. It is always the story. It's always the case. In 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 2, the chairman of the Joint Chief of Staff, the head of the army, mocked Elijah and the good news that he announced. He mocked him. And you have to ask yourself, you know, with leaders like this, no wonder Israel was in trouble. The king is pointing the blame on somebody else, the head of the army is basically mocking the Word of God. Listen to what Elijah said to that mocking general. Mr. Big Shot. That's a rough translation, but I think you understand what I'm trying to tell you. (laughs) You will see the fulfillment of God's promise with your eyes, but you're not going to experience it. You're not going to participate in it. No wonder the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 2, 15 and 16, we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing, to the one with a smell of death and to the other a fragrance of life. And sure enough, when God fulfilled His promise, (laughs) this mighty general saw it with his eyes. He did not participate because he got trampled underfoot. Beloved, listen to me. No one, no one, no one can mock God and His Word and will get away with it. No one can molest the bride of Jesus Christ and get away with it. No one will ridicule God's Messiah and get away with it. They may look like it. They may get some laughs at mocking Him. They may get some fans following them. But make no mistake about it, they will pay. And some old preacher said, payday someday. Payday someday. Well, how did God keep his word spoken through the prophet Elisha? I always get to the point of my sermon. Sometimes it takes me a long time, but I always get to it. (laughs) I'm telling you this long story to come to the point of the heart of the message. This is how it happened. God in heaven clicked his fingers. Have you ever heard God click his fingers? Well, he did in heaven. And the Syrian army thought, oh man, the Israelites must have got the Hittites and the Egyptians. These armies are powerful and savage. They're going to come and kill us. So they put their kaftans between their teeth and they ran like jackrabbits. (Laughter) And when they ran, they left everything behind. They left all the long-term supplies. I mean, they left the stocks and bonds. They left their gold and silver. They left their garments. They they left their gourmet food. I mean, they left goats and sheep and barley and wheat. Everything they have, they left. They just ran with the clothes on their back. Here's the point that I have been working my way to all this time. Verse 3. The Bible said that when the Syrians fled... With only the clothes on their backs. The people of God who were inside the wall, the city wall, did not know it. They obviously ran so quietly, (laughs) they did not know. They were inside the wall, they did not know what's happening outside the wall. They're still living under siege, they did not know that the Syrian army already ran and gone. But the most unlikely people discovered the good news. The most unlikely people were privileged by God to proclaim the good news. Four lepers, four lepers, they were isolated outside of the city. You see, in Israel, because leprosy was associated with sin, the lepers were outside of the city wall. They lived in a house called the house of the unfortunate. And on a regular basis, about twice a day, The Israelites would come out with food. And because they can't touch them, they would shove the food through a hole in the wall to feed them on a regular basis, to just keep them from starving to death. So when the Israelites got surrounded, when the siege took place, and the Israelites could not come out of the city, what was happening to these lepers? I mean, they were starving to death. Nobody's feeding them, nobody's taking care of them. They were in such a desperate situation. So they reasoned, if we stay inside the house of the unfortunate, we're going to starve to death, right? If we go outside, the Syrians are going to kill us. So to them, heads you lose, tails you lose. (laughs) (laughs) So they decided that they're going to throw themselves over the mercy of the Syrians. They will go outside of their uh, compound and go to the Syrians. Hopefully, they will have pity on them. You see, the Old Testament, because it's leprosy associated with sin, they were removed from society just as a sinner is removed from God. That is why they couldn't touch a leper, but Jesus touched a leper. (laughs) Because only Jesus can touch a sinner and make him a saint. Only Jesus can transform a life of a sinner and make them a saint. Only Jesus can transform a sinner to a new life in Christ. Only Jesus can cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Only Jesus can take us from being enemies to being children of the living God. Let me stop here just for a moment, just in case there's somebody here who feels isolated, somebody who feels unloved and uncared for, somebody who feels that misunderstood that nobody understands them. Let me tell you something very briefly, very, very quickly. God loves you. Amen. God cares for you. God knows exactly what your needs are. And God is working all the events in your life to fulfill and meet your needs. If you do not belong to his family, he's reaching out to you and says, come, join my family. Those lepers were hoping for some Syrian crumbs, but God was preparing a feast for them. (laughs) God had greater blessings awaiting for them. You know, as many of you know, I love to use my imagination, especially... In a situation like this, so far removed from modern technology of the iPads and the iPhones and all that stuff, you know, and you just think about it and, and, and try to use my imagination. And these, these guys come out of here and say, we're going to die, we're going to die. So they come out tippy-toeing and tippy-toeing and they come out and they're looking for the Syrians and no Syrians. And they look at the first tent and they look through the tent and look at the door and there's no, no Syrians but lots of food. <laughs> so they fed their face. How can that be? <laughs> they finished. They go into the second tent and they open and they looked at no Syrians, only more supplies, more food, some gold, some silver. They took all that stuff and they hid it. They said, you know, in case they don't take care of us, so we've got to take care of ourselves. And then they, 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 they go in and more provision. And sometimes they'll probably wonder is this a trap? Is somebody playing a cruel joke on us? What is going on here? But who cares? We're dying anyway, right? So the food was plentiful, and they fed their faces. Think about this. (laughs) And I know I can relate to this, as many of you know, of late. They did not worry if the food was fat-free or not. (laughs) I mean, they couldn't care less about The carb content in the Syrian food, they did not worry. They did not measure calories. (laughs) They didn't wonder how many calories in that food. They did not wonder if the Syrian food were really going to make them sick or not. (laughs) They were just experiencing one blessing after another. Verse 9 of chapter 7. After they fed their faces, the lepers looked to each other and they said, We are not doing right. This is a day of good news. And we are keeping it to ourselves. If we wait to daylight, punishment will overtake us. Let's go and report the good news yes. to the king. We are not doing right. We have experienced salvation. We've been assured of eternal life. We have seen and lived the good news. We have experienced the joy of being forgiven eternally. We have experienced the abundance of God's blessings in Jesus Christ. And therefore, we cannot help it but tell the good news. I often wondered if they could have had a different reaction. And they could have. They could have. They could be like our generation. And have says, I deserve this. <laughs> Every second commercial said, you deserve it, baby. <laughs> we suffered long enough. These people mistreated us anyway. These people held us in isolation out of the city. Why should we care? Why should we share the good news with them? These people need to be nuked, not saved. Many of you know my testimony when I got out of that region with the clothes on my back, I wanted nothing to do with that part of the world. After all, I've experienced persecution, discrimination. Why should I care? And it's an irony that now the Lord says you go back and you help in a little way of getting the good news to the same people. I'm so grateful for our partners who stand with us around the country, and around the world, so that we're able to penetrate hundreds of millions of homes in the homes of the very people who hate us. But that's the only way, my beloved friends. Washington is not going to solve it. All the military hardware is not going to solve the problem. Only the gospel of Jesus Christ is going to change lives. These four lepers did not say, you know, let's conduct a feasibility study and see whether we really should tell or not tell. I am so glad they didn't say, let's take care of ourselves. We've got enough problems ourselves. Why should we worry about them? I am so glad they didn't say, let's just study and have a a course on uh, cooking Syrian food. No, they simply said, We are not doing right. Beloved, I'm about to conclude, so listen carefully. It is never right to keep the good news to ourselves. It's never right. It's never right to hide the good news. It's never right. It's never right not to tell the good news. This is a day in which, at least for now, we are able to share the good news. Who knows? A day may come we may not be able to, but for now we are. Let's work while it's still day.
1: lest night cometh. Dr. Michael Yusuf with his compelling message, Are We Doing Right? on this episode of Leading the Way. Hey, did today's message impact your life? Well, tell someone. In fact, tell a lot of someone through your go-to social media. Social media has become a place where many people go for their truth, So why not guide someone to leading the way, where truth is passionately proclaimed from God's word? Go ahead and share a line or two about today's message and how it impacted you and your faith walk. Or how you've been touched by leading the way. Short and sweet, but a few words letting people know how to connect with leading the way will go a long way in drawing others to meet Jesus your followers will be encouraged. And to think of the firestorm of encouragement you could start in lives of those you may not even know through viral conversations. If you're not already following Dr. Yusuf and leading the way on social media, use the links on our website to get you right where you need to go, ltw.org. They're down near the bottom of the homepage. Being vocal about your faith doesn't always have to be with spoken words. Sometimes your voice can be louder and heard in other ways. Once again, ltw.org. Thank you for listening today. This program is furnished by Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef, passionately proclaiming uncompromising truth around the world.